Recruiting is heating up for Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program this summer, and I think that they could be exiting this summer with a few new commitments on the offensive side of the ball. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock Athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank y'all so very much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Before we get into this Thursday edition of Locked On Gamecocks, I want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order that you make. I've talked with a lot of SEC hosts from the Locked On Podcast Network over the past couple days regarding their respective teams and their team's series with South Carolina, and we're going to continue that later on today's show with Locked On Kentucky host Lance Dahl. But before we get into that, I want to discuss some recruiting for South Carolina's football program because obviously the month of June is typically a very busy month for Shane Beamer and the coaching staff as they make a lot of headway usually throughout this stretch. And when looking at South Carolina's current board, I think there's a good chance that three different offensive weapons could be in the fold by mid-August. And I'm going to rank this from one to three. Let's start off with the number one prospect that I think will be committed to South Carolina by summer's end in Keelan Adams, a wide receiver from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Now, obviously, just based on the location, you already know why South Carolina is probably in the game for this kid. Shane Beamer obviously has got great connections to the state of Virginia from his time at Virginia Tech and being the son of College Football Hall of Fame coach Frank Beamer, who was at Virginia Tech for several decades. And Keelan Adams is the latest example or piece of evidence of that connection. Adams has visited South Carolina twice in the past month, which included this past weekend when he hung out with Gamecock wide receiver commit Mazio Bennett. And in a post that circulated on social media, he was seen wearing a South Carolina Gamecock shirt. Obviously, again, not an end-all be-all sign, but clearly a good one, in my opinion, if you're a Gamecock fan. The other thing is this. The wide receiver position group is one of need for the Gamecocks in this 2024 recruiting cycle. South Carolina is set to lose probably four or five of their top veteran receivers from this roster after this upcoming season concludes. So they've got to get a young crop of talented ball players at this position, and Keelan Amps is certainly right there at or near the top of their list. Keelan Adams also has already announced a commitment date. He plans to commit on July the 13th and has official visits scheduled to Alabama on June 16th and I believe the Virginia Tech Hokies on June the 23rd. But again, right now, based on recent activity, it seems like that South Carolina is in the catbird seat for the DMV native. 
The second prospect that I think could commit to South Carolina by the end of the summer is wide receiver Jonathan Paler from Cummings School in Burlington, North Carolina. Paler has been a longtime target of coach Justin Stepp and the rest of South Carolina's offensive coaching staff. To this point, Paler has taken two unofficial visits to Columbia in his recruitment, one of them dating back to the Auburn game in 2021, and his most recent trip was for the Texas A&M game back in the 2022 season. Here's the thing that makes Jonathan Paler stand out from the other two guys that I'm talking about on today's show. He is actually publicly named South Carolina his leader on multiple occasions in recent months throughout this current cycle. Now, the reason why Jonathan Paler is not number one on this list ahead of Keelan Adams is because the home state NC State Wolfpack, you got to give them some credit. They have not let up in this recruitment to this point. Clear reason why Jonathan Paler is a North Carolina native. The Wolfpack would like to keep him in state. And Jonathan Paler has listened to NC State. He has visited them more than any other program 10 different times already to this point. And NC State is going to get a chance to host him for an official visit on the weekend of June the 16th. But South Carolina is also going to get one the following weekend on June the 23rd. And they got a lot of commitments that are going to be in town for that weekend so Jonathan Paler number two on the list of prospects that I think could commit to South Carolina by the end of the summer the last prospect I think could end up committing is athlete Daniel Hill from Meridian High School in Meridian Mississippi now Daniel Hill again sort of a similar situation to Jonathan Paler he has taken two unofficial visits to South Carolina at this point in the recruiting process he was in Columbia for the Tennessee game this past November, and he also visited South Carolina's football program for their spring game back on April 15th of this year. Daniel Hill has also been photographed wearing Gamecock gear at different camps throughout this offseason. Again, it's not necessarily an end-all, be-all sign that he's going to be a Gamecock, but folks, it's 2023. This kind of stuff does matter. Now, Daniel Hill is also being pursued by multiple schools. And this one could shape up to be an SEC heavyweight title fight here for the Mississippi native, as he's being pursued by Alabama, Tennessee, and Auburn, still to a significant degree, along with, of course, South Carolina. Now, he is going to be taking official visits, I believe, to Bama and Auburn, and potentially Tennessee, but he will still be taking an official to South Carolina on June the 23rd. The fact that that official visit is following up all the other ones that he's likely going to take in my opinion, means that South Carolina has still been that program that set the bar in Daniel Hill's recruitment. But again, he is going to give all these other programs still at least one more chance with their official visit to try and impress him and maybe give him some second thoughts. So Daniel Hill, Jonathan Paler, and Keelan Adams. I think all three of these guys could end up being South Carolina commits by the end of the summer. It just kind of feels like that with the way the recruitments have played out for all three of these guys that they're not going to go too deep into their senior season of high school football to make their college decision. It kind of seems like that all these guys are shaping up to be guys that make their final commitment over the summertime period. And if that is the case, if you're a South Carolina fan, I think you got to like where the Gamecocks stand with each and every one of these guys. Now, 
As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're going to continue talking with some SEC hosts around the league. And today, I've got Locked On Kentucky host Lance Dahl joining me on the show. We're going to dive into South Carolina series with Kentucky and what the excitement level is surrounding Kentucky's football program after Liam Cohen announced his return to Lexington earlier this offseason in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. But first, today's show is brought to you by bird dogs when it comes to clothing we all just want clothes that are going to fit us well that are going to feel comfortable and these days in a lot of cases we want clothes that are going to be multi-versatile clothes that we can wear on multiple different occasions to multiple different kinds of events well bird dogs are just the shorts that accomplish those Goals. Bird dogs are stretchy khaki shorts that help to give you a sculpted look and aren't made of that strict restricting cotton that you will get in pretty much every other pair of shorts out there. Bird dogs also have anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that helps to keep you cool and dry all day long. Whether you're at the pool, maybe you're out on the lake with your buddies, maybe you're just going out to a cookout, or maybe you're just going out to the grocery store going for a walk. They're perfect for every single kind of environment and situation. So if you want Bird Dog shorts today, go to birddogs.com slash college and enter promo code LockedOnCollege for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. I promise you, once you put on Bird Dog shorts for the first time ever, you'll never want to take them off. Welcome back to today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. And real quickly, a big thank you to all of you everydayers for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. We're going to continue talking with some other hosts around the SEC on today's show. Talked with a few different guys around the network at this point, and Today's guest, he's a man that covers multiple teams around the SEC, but for the purposes of his podcast, he covers the Kentucky Wildcats. I'm pleased to be joined by Locked On Kentucky host, Lance Dahl. Lance, welcome to the show, man. Excited to be here, man. Excited to talk about a little Kentucky Wildcats, South Carolina Gamecocks, about what could be happening this season. It's 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 an interesting spot for sure. Yeah, and it's a game that's really garnered a lot more attention in the SEC over the last few years as a series that once used to kind of be an afterthought for South Carolina, admittedly on their end now, uh, South Carolina fans, they they more so look forward to this game, and they also understand that, you know, Kentucky's not the program it was 10, 15 years ago, and we'll, of course, get into that a little bit more in a minute or two, but let's start off, Lance, with last year's game, because obviously, on Kentucky's end, it wasn't a really great night. Kentucky had to start Kaya Sheeran or Sharon because Will Levis was out with, I believe, a foot injury for that game. In a way, um, it kind of seems like South Carolina actually helped Kentucky figure out how bad their quarterback situation was as they went and got Devin Leary in the transfer portal this offseason. Would you actually agree with that notion? 
I would say that 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 could possibly be thrown out there and and, and that could be accurate. Look, this was a, a weird game on the schedule for the Wildcats coming right after the loss to Ole Miss, which was a game that the Wildcats felt like they had in the bag at several moments, but kept shooting themselves in the in the foot. It was just it was a string here between Ole Miss and Tennessee, a four game stretch where Kentucky just really didn't look good. And like you said, a lot of it had to do with what was going on under center and Will Levis simply not being able to get it done. Uh, behind an offensive line that was uh, porous, uh, to say the very least, uh, at times last season. And this South Carolina game was uh, the peak of that, where you just didn't really see Kentucky with a backup quarterback able to operate and do much of anything uh, because of how poor the offensive line was. And, I mean, whenever you're operating with a backup quarterback, it's it's always difficult to not score more than 14 at home. Uh, I think definitely was a cause for concern for Kentucky, so they went out and got Devin Leary. A very solid quarterback uh, in his own right at NC State. 62 passing touchdowns over the course of his four-year career with the Wolf Pack. And he, I think, is going to be really good uh, with the uh, with the new offensive system Kentucky is bringing back, actually, uh, to this year's team. So, yes, that game against South Carolina last year was in the midst of a lot of negativity uh, for the Wildcats. But I could I could definitely see somebody making an argument that it was at that point in the season uh, that Kentucky realized, hey, we've probably got to make some adjustments here. And, and to be honest with you, Andrew, it's not just at the quarterback position. Yeah, and you referred to uh, or you referenced Liam Cohen just a couple of moments ago. So why don't we go ahead and get on into that? Obviously, Liam Cohen is widely viewed as the guy that was kind of the architect behind Kentucky's uh, offensive outburst back in 2021, helped Kentucky reach 10 wins that season and that was with Will Levis at quarterback and depending on how you feel about Will Levis you know it might be Liam Cohn that was the reason why again Kentucky was so good on that side of the ball so Lance just again having a pulse for the fan base what's sort of the mood around Liam Cohen being back in the building for Kentucky in 2023 does it feel like the ceiling's a little bit elevated now because he's back Absolutely. I think a lot of fans out there are very excited about what this Kentucky offense could be under Liam Cohen this upcoming season. Rich Scangarello, Rich Scangarello, man, he's got a he's got a, <laughs> an interesting offense and an interesting last name to pronounce was just not doing it uh, for the Wildcats in his lone year last season. Bring, bringing Liam Cohen back was excellent uh, for what I think is going to be a much improved Wildcat offense and and Andrew it's not just about the quarterback with Liam Cohen I think it's about what he's going to be able to work with outside of that in 2021 I would argue that Kentucky's offensive line while still not like it it was not as bad as it was last season but it still was not great this year I think you could make the argument that this is the best offensive line at least on paper that we've seen since 2018 and you brought in I believe four different transfer portal entries one from Ohio State, one from USC, one from Alabama, uh, really high-profile names there. And I, I'm excited to see what Cohen is able to do with a revamped offensive line. You get a 1,000-yard rusher from Vanderbilt and Ray Davis. You've got two of the best receivers in the SEC in Barry and Brown and Dane Key. And then you've got a quarterback who's not turnover-prone that knows how to throw the football, at least accurately and consistently, unlike some things that we've had in the past. But I, I'm excited about that, Andrew. I'm excited about that with, a, with an offensive coordinator that really seemed like he knew what he was doing uh, in 2021, and I'm not trying to take too much away from Will Levis. He's a very talented athlete, but I, I completely agree with you in, in pointing out the fact that Liam Cohen made this offense look good two seasons ago, and I think with better personnel all around, he can make it even better. 
in in this upcoming season. So you ask how how the fans are thinking about this. I think everybody is very excited and very pleased about Cohen's return. And expectation for me is that this offense takes a, a significant step forward. Yeah, and you mentioned the addition of Ray Davis uh, with your comments there. And I think Ray Davis is one of the most unsung transfer additions in this entire conference for this offseason. I mean, you know, if it weren't for the fact that Davis was playing for Vanderbilt this past year, I think he would be getting a lot more fanfare from both the regional and national media. He might not be Chris Rodriguez, but Davis is going to, I think, be a very important piece as well for Devin Leary and Liam Cohen and the rest of that offense. So, Lance, let's transition back to sort of the series matchup itself between South Carolina and Kentucky. Again, uh, there was a point in time in which South Carolina, when they saw Kentucky on the schedule, they kind of were just like, well, you know, we got to play Kentucky this week. Probably don't have to play your A game. You'll still be able to get by with the win. And that's certainly not been the case over the past 9, 10 years or so. Kentucky has admittedly, you know, dominated the series for the most part. But South Carolina has started to sort of regain some ground, it seems like, with Shane Beamer now leading the program. How do Kentucky fans currently feel about this annual matchup? Do you sort of feel like it's brewing as a bit of a secondary rivalry because of what all's gone on the last couple seasons here between both these programs? You could definitely label it as that. Like you mentioned, Kentucky won seven out of the last nine, but South Carolina has split the series uh, over the last four games, two and two apiece. Uh, This has been a fun, fun rivalry uh, for the past couple of seasons now. And I think we're starting to see uh, it form into one of these games that it, it's kind of similar, uh, Andrew, to me as like the Arkansas and Ole Miss game uh, every single year, except without all the offensive fireworks. You you get to see two fan bases that really enjoy going at each other, whereas I think the rest of the SEC and maybe the rest of the college football world doesn't really understand quite what's going on just yet. yet. But as you've seen those games progress over the past half decade or so, you've started to see those games get more attention, get more uh, fanfare, get more excitement. And I think you're going to see the same thing here with Kentucky and USC, with Shane Beaver leading the charge and bringing this program back to where it needs to be. And then Kentucky trying to hold things over, stay consistent uh, as uh, as uh, they bring in a new quarterback. And they're actually, I think, going to have some more stability on the offensive side of the ball moving forward. I, I think these are going to be two competitive programs Uh, once the SEC shifts over to a 16-team league in in, uh, 2024. And I think games like this uh, moving forward are going to be more highlighted as opposed to sitting there in in the back channels just kind of being ignored. And I think fans would agree with that. I think fans would also agree that uh, this is something that is becoming more exciting uh, and more competitive. And I think the last nine years, like uh, like we said earlier, uh, certainly have reflected Kentucky becoming more competitive. And if we can get this thing, uh, balanced out it's going to be a very fun sec game that people should start marking uh in the in the summer for sure yeah and it doesn't seem like either way that this is going to go away anytime soon as at the time of this recording it's been reported that the sec of course is going to play eight games um in 2024 make of that what you will but ross Dellinger reported that you know in an eight game model kentucky and south Carolina would be paired up together as permanent rivals and it seems like that that could also very well be the case in a 366 model or a nine game schedule so uh it doesn't seem like that the kentucky south Carolina series is going to go away anytime soon in the near future yeah absolutely and i think that in, and I was actually talking about this with somebody yesterday, and we, the conversation had nothing to do with Kentucky football. They just said, who do you think the three opponents would be? And I was like, I want Tennessee, 
I want South Carolina and I want Florida. I'm like, man, you said South Carolina second. I'm like, yeah, it's been a great game over the past few years. I mean, what, it, I would love to play South Carolina every single year. <laughs> of course, in that scenario, I mean, you've probably talked about it on your show. It's very difficult to get like all of the opponents that you want. I can see a world still where the SEC doles out USC uh, to to Kentucky and allows them to play that every year. And in, in, in this one in this 1-7 model, uh, I would be perfectly content uh, with South Carolina being uh, the rival for Kentucky because you look at the other games that Kentucky plays on their schedule, like with uh, with Tennessee and Florida and Georgia. I mean, those are all great games. But if you want to identify an opponent that you feel like you can compete with year in and year out right now, I think that South Carolina is the perfect answer. So I am right there with you. I, I agree. I think that that would be uh, great for UK to pick that up moving forward. Yeah, it's honestly one of the situations, Lance, where both fan bases, I think they'd be happy with that because both fan bases feel like their team can win the game every single year. So, you know, that that is life in the SEC. And, you know, for Kentucky and South Carolina, it, it could be a bigger game of importance for both of those programs as we continue to go on throughout the next couple of years in this conference. In just a couple of moments, Lance and I are going to dive into the game itself for 2023. What are our initial thoughts and what's Lance's overall expectation for for Kentucky this upcoming fall. All that and more in a moment. All right, continue our conversation here with Lance Dahl over on Locked on Kentucky. Lance, let's dive into now the 2023 matchup a little bit. Obviously, still a long ways away, but this year, the spot for this game is quite the odd one. Kentucky and South Carolina are going to be playing in the second to last week of the regular season. I can't recall a year that they've ever played this late in the regular season. And for Kentucky, it's a pretty tough spot, admittedly. They got the Alabama Crimson tied the week before the South Carolina game. Then they got to go to Columbia to play the Gamecocks. And then they play their in-state rivals and the Louisville Cardinals on the road. Jeff Brom now being up there in Louisville. The Cardinals can now be a tougher out every single year. And then for South Carolina, they got Vanderbilt right before Kentucky, maybe a touch of a trap game, depending on how you view that matchup. And then South Carolina's got the Clemson Tigers coming to town right after that. And Gamecock fans, you all know just how uh, how much that rivalry just rules this state. So Lance, what are your initial thoughts surrounding this matchup between both teams based on the schedule dynamic heading into this next season? Well, following the bye week on October 21st, there's a very good chance that Kentucky finishes the season playing four top 25 opponents in their final five games. You've got Tennessee, Mississippi State, Alabama, South Carolina, and Louisville. And I, and I am saying that South Carolina could legitimately be a top 20 team uh, heading into November if all things go right for for Shane Beamer and company. So that is a, that's a tough draw. I don't know who put this schedule together, but I'm not happy about it. So you've got <laughs> Alabama the week before. Uh, South Carolina and I think that that's really the big thing we need to be focusing on here this has been a sticking point I think in SEC talking circles for years is well after you play Alabama after you play Georgia after you play LSU look to the opponent the following week because you are going to be beat up and you are going to need to have a little bit of rest a little bit of reprieve and Kentucky doesn't get that after their bye week I mean they get their one week of rest and then they have to hit the ground running and I, I do think that that at the end of the day, I've talked about this on my show, it will end up affecting Kentucky's ability to compete for the SEC East. Not win because Georgia exists, but can, but compete for it. And having Bama right before a game like South Carolina is really, really tough 
uh, especially considering that it's on the road in Columbia. And we just talked about this, uh, this game, hyping it up as something that the fans are starting to care about more and something that people are starting to starting to pay more attention to. And so having the Bama game, which win or lose is going to, I think, have a lot of eyes on it. You head into the following week against a game or against a team that just is just as excited to play you, I think. And, uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be tough, especially seeing how uh, how they played on the road in Lexington last year. It's not going to be fun. And then you follow that up with, I think, uh, a game that will end up being more uh, more important in Kentucky fans' eyes if Louisville and Kentucky are in decent spots. Is is that uh, is that final game of the season at, uh, on the road? Uh, no less at Louisville. So it's just really weird having senior day uh, being the, the second week of November uh, against Alabama and then having two games where it's like, okay, you really got to pay attention to the spot following Bama. And then also you've got a very big rivalry game. And if all things, you know, line up, you know, that's the, that's three games to end the season that are, that could be very important uh, for UK and for South Carolina and Alabama. If, if things shake out well and, and, and somebody pulls off an upset uh, here or there, uh, depending on whether that being a win or a loss for Bama and USC. So yeah, it's a it's a weird placement in the schedule and a game that off rip, Andrew, I don't feel great about if I'm a Kentucky fan. Yeah, and for South Carolina, you know, Lance, I mentioned that Vanderbilt could be a touch for a trap game, but honestly, I mean, Kentucky could be the biggest trap game. I mean, again, you know, for South Carolina, you finally get over the hump last year in multiple different series. You beat Kentucky in Lexington for the first time in a decade. You beat your arch rivals in Clemson for the first time in nine calendar years. And you got Clemson right after Kentucky. And, you know, the thing that South Carolina fans do know about Kentucky is Kentucky likes to play physical football. And, you know, if there is maybe a team that just based on the overall mentality and makeup of their head coach and the team taking on the mentality of the coach that could bounce back, maybe it is Kentucky. I mean, you know, there's certainly, you know, some arguments to be made for both sides. But, again, you know, Alabama, I mean, they're stacked with four- and five-star talent, and that might be also the big question for Kentucky is, you know, if you get some injuries, can you withstand that? And, you know, because everyone knows the starting lineup for the most part is going to be good for the Wildcats, but, you know, if they get banged up in certain spots, you know, it could add up by the end of the season. It's a great point on that regarding that final four or five-game slate for the Wildcats. So, Lance, let's talk about the entire season now as a whole. Kentucky, again, it felt like they took a step back in 2022 but now this year you add some new pieces you get Liam Cohen back in the building it feels like Kentucky could maybe be a surprise team in the SEC Eastern Division what are your overall thoughts on what the Wildcats could do compared to the rest of their division in the final year that the SEC Eastern Division exists I think that a conversation that's being thrown out a lot because it is talking season it is time for us for us to kind of speculate on the uh, upcoming year uh, in college football, I think a term that's being thrown around around a lot is sleeper team. You know, what, what's the biggest sleeper team in the SEC? What's the big one in the East? What's the big one in the West? And I've literally seen national media hosts go, I don't know, Kentucky's whatever, but let's talk about Missouri. Like, what? Let's talk about Florida. Let's talk about South Carolina. No disrespect. I, I think that South Carolina could have a, a sneaky good team here, so to speak, even though the more people talk about a sleeper team, the less of a sleeper it becomes. It's not like, hey, we're, we're talking about a team that that's kind of, you know, in the shadows right now, just kind of like waiting to spring out and surprise everybody that they're really good. If you talk for half an hour every other week about how 
South Carolina or Florida could really compete for the SEC East or how Auburn could you know make a push in the SEC West now that they have half a million transfer portal players. They, they become less of a sleeper. You're no longer sleeping on them. You are awake, and you are very much so watching their every move. And with Kentucky, I said this on a, on a recent show. The reason I say that is I, I talked about this on a recent episode where I, was, where I made the, the suggestion Kentucky may be the biggest sleeper team in the SEC East, just simply because everybody wants to kind of pass over them. And I'm not saying everybody. Of course, some people are talking about the Wildcats. But based on what I've seen, based on what I've kind of read, it feels like most national media types are more excited and more focused on some of these other schools. And as they should be, it's a good year in the conference. It's going to be a lot of fun. South Carolina, I think, as they've continued to over overachieve, so to speak, over these past couple of years, I think that there's an opportunity where, again, despite their difficult schedule, you get like what potentially six, seven top twenty-five opponents on on, the, on that thing at this point. I believe there's like six on yeah. there right now, yeah. um, if you would count them up. And that's not counting like Florida. That's not counting Mississippi State. Um, you could see South Carolina be that sleeper team, but for Kentucky. Because of what they've done this offseason and because of the fact that people actively don't seem to really want to talk about them that much, it makes me feel like as a fan, and I've seen a lot of other Kentucky fans on message boards say similar things, hey, we are the sleeper team in this league heading into this year. Does, Does that mean we're going to win the East? No. Does that mean we're going to win 10 games? No. Because a sleeper team is just that. It's a team that can potentially do well, but right now you're not projecting them to. And so I think that the Wildcats are in a very good spot to surprise some people, especially with the guys like Liam Cohen coming back, Devin Leary being here, a great offense, I think, all around that's going to improve, a defense that brought in some really solid transfer portal pieces on that D-line, a fourth-year D.C., a Stoops head coach that has been around the league for quite some time. I mean, it all sets up to where if you can survive the back half of the schedule, you can win nine or ten games, and you can compete. But you've you've got to get past Georgia, which uh, I'm realistic. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't, I don't right. think if you ran that simulation 100 times, Kentucky wins half the half of a game. Um, <laughs> but it, you, you find yourself in a position, if you're Kentucky, where you can say heading into this offseason, hey, people are overlooking us. People are doubting us, which I don't know if that's how Stoops wants to approach it, but he certainly could. He certainly could. And I think a lot of fans will reflect that mentality as we get closer to the season. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and the other thing with Kentucky is, you know, you talked about the back half of their schedule. At the beginning of their schedule, I think the first four or five games, I don't really think there's any major landmines for the Kentucky Wildcats because, you know, Florida comes to Lexington. I think they're going to get Florida. I think Kentucky, they're going to have a ton of time to gel offensively with Devin Lear being at quarterback, Liam Cohen being back, and, you know, Ray Davis running back. And that's going to be maybe huge for Kentucky. And what all they do in the first half of the season could sort of decide, you know, how things might carry over over once that tougher stretch eventually arrives so yeah Kentucky is definitely going to be a team to watch in the SEC East in 2023 he is locked on Kentucky host Lance Daw. Lance I can't thank you enough for coming on to today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where can all the people find your work yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate you having me on, Andrew. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore at also uh, Locked On UK. Check out the Locked On Kentucky podcast wherever you get your podcast. We can also you can also find us on YouTube as well. And if you care anything about Auburn football, which I'm not quite sure why you would if you're listening to a podcast about South Carolina and Kentucky, but if you want to dive into that, AuburnDaily.com. I write over there as well to the time. 
Thank you, Lance, for coming on today's show. Once again, for all you Locked On Gamecock listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in to today's show. Have a great rest of your day. I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>